so Stephanie, th thanks for hopping on. Excited to have you. Um, I think our, our viewers are going to learn a lot from you. Uh, I've been, been looking forward to this for a while. Um, so as you know, this is Voices of Enablement. The reason we're doing this is through these economic headwinds, there's obviously a lot of reductions in workforce and a lot of budget cuts and uh, you know not a lot of new hiring. And so it's changed what enablement looks like in organizations. And it's also put a lot of pressure on enablement. Uh, you know, most of the, the reductions in workforce are typically in these like more support roles. And unfortunately, enablement is viewed as a support role in a lot of organizations, not all, thankfully, but they, they are in a lot. And so we just like to create space here to learn from people like yourself who have done this for a long time or very experienced who can help provide some insights on how do we how do we level up enablement within an organization? How do we prove our worth as enablers within an organization? What are the programs that we should be building out? What should we be focusing on? And so excited to have you. That said, before we jump in, feel free to introduce yourself. Let us let us know what you're up to, and then and then we'll get into it. Great, thanks. Well, this is an absolute pleasure to join you this morning. Um, Stephanie Benavides, head of sales enablement at LoadSmart. I've been there now for 18 months, and in startup years, it always feels like dog years, you know, where you <laughs> like lived many lives. Um, I have about 17 years of experience in all sorts of roles, selling, sales, operations before sales enablement became kind of that buzzword. Um, and yeah, very excited to be here and chat all things sales enablement related. So hit yeah. me with your best questions. Oh, I will. I will. <laughs> and like I mentioned before, we will we will end up going off script. So this is going to be awesome. Um, yeah, so to kind of level set, I think this is the, the best first question, which is, as I mentioned in the prelude, economic headwinds, hiring is down, reductions in workforces are up. How do you elevate enablement to the C-suite to say, this is why this is a strategic function and not just a support function that is a check the box, we got to have it. You took the words right out of my mouth. Honestly, I was going to say, I don't view sales enablement as a support function. Yeah. I do view it as a strategic function if it's stood up properly in an organization, because at the end of the day, what are we doing? We're impacting the business, the sellers that are making those revenue generating dollars. And Support to me has a connotation of reactivity, right? Yeah. A support ticket flies out and then we have to go react to it. When you're stood up in a way where you're dictating what the business needs, and typically it should be done in a way where you're aligned at the table with C-suite to say, what are our North Stars? What are our KPIs that we're really trying to impact this H1, H2, Q1, Q2, whatever yeah. you want to say? What are the goals? Are we trying to roll out a new product? Are we really trying to stand that up? Are we trying to bring in more stickiness to organizations and cross-sell? Can we track that? Um, and then how do you contribute to those efforts? Are you putting on roundtables to better create collaboration between different teams so that they can cross-sell? Uh, and then what are you reporting on and providing insights? Are you providing some of those triggered levers that you've been impacting? I think insights are everything. And so true. we can probably dig into that a little bit more, but if you're not reporting on key things that you're discovering, whether it's gaps or what you're impacting in terms of training completion, moving sales cycles along, maybe it's a tool that you're using a little bit more to help sell in a unique way. If you're not bringing those things to the surface, leaders aren't going to know. They're just going to look at, did we close XYZ company in XYZ time? Why not? Yep. So true. I think I think you nailed it, and I think this should be the theme of enablement for a long time, which is let's be proactive, not reactive. 
I'm a Girl Scout, so always be prepared. And I should say, I sh- I'm not still a Girl Scout, but I'm a Girl Scout leader, yes. former Girl Scout. So yes. I live by the mantra, always be prepared. I really do over-prepare. That's good. I think that's a really good thing. Um, you know, I think from my experience as a rep, it it always felt like, and it's, I think I've seen it done really well and I've seen it done really bad um, from an enablement standpoint, like enabling me. Mm-hmm. Um the times where, where I felt like it was a duty or a task were, were very much reactive. Like, Absolutely. oh, we listen, we listen to your call and you you messed up here, but it's like, fair. But like, is that a theme for me? Or is that just this one time, right? Because right? I need you to coach to my weaknesses, not a time that I made a mistake, right? right. I think that's very, very important. And now if we, if we looked at 15 calls and right. you're constantly making that one Right. Maybe you're not pushing that question through in a very articulate way and you're, you're putting the ball in their court and you're not leading or guiding them. Right. Then that's an area for coaching opportunity. hundred percent. hundred percent. I love it. I love it. Okay. So then let me ask you this then a little more tact- tactically. Um, let's say you're, you're talking to this, the C level and you say, okay, look, this, this is our strategic plan for the next six months. Mm-hmm. How do you define success for the C-suite in an enable, like what are the, what are some of those like KPIs you mentioned, or what are some of the things that you're looking at as like outputs that say, we have done a successful job. I need more headcount or whatever it is. Like, how do you go and prove the value of enablement to that C-level executive? I try and approach things in um, a pilot way. Typically, if we're going to try a new tactic or um, take different cohorts, cohort A, cohort B is going to try this new pitch or is going to try this new way, uh, their new cadence. I don't know. There's lots of different ways that you can prove out what's working, what's not. Um, I would also say that some of those different insights or KPIs that you're mentioning, we support 10 different selling teams at LoadSmart. And so every single one sells differently. Their sales cycles are differently. The way that they sell is differently. And so we're trying to meet all of the needs of everyone. And so what we're trying to do is kind of create more, um, tactical bootcamp type classes where we're really focused on competencies and skills versus like, I don't know, a methodology. I'm just going to throw that out. But, you know, how are you able to overcome objections in this market? Um, Let's go through some coaching, you know, roundtables. I like to bring in some of our high performing reps to engage their expertise too, to -hmm. help then also leverage what the, I don't call them green sellers, but our newer sellers. Sure. And, you know, it starts to build a good relationship between the two teams or the two uh, cohorts of people. Yeah. Um, trying to think of some of the other ways that we've, we've done, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of different ways. I mentioned the skills and competencies. I mentioned um, that's what we're really kind of trying to double down on right now, because if you can sell in any market, you can be successful. And I think some of the rumblings I hear on the floor are, gosh, it's really hard. And like, well, you were selling in a high market when people were just had money to throw around. And this kind of a market really just helps to provide those teachable moments for grit, resilience, perseverance. It's not easy. And so we, we actually put on a boot camp called, uh, what was it? Selling in a down market, trying to keep a positive mindset. Like what sort of it's mental health awareness month, uh, May. And so there was a theme of, you know, how do we as sellers not get burnt out, not, you know, see the forest between the trees to understand that, you know, this is one deal. Everyone's kind of going through this together. 
what are some very small tangible ways that you can um, continue to be positive? Yeah. What are things that managers or your colleagues can do to help you remain positive? Um, I think a lot of people kind of have this mindset of working, like you don't know where your next meal is coming from, kind of that old adage of, you know, we're kind of there right now because pipelines are, I want to say lean, but it's tough to build them right now. It's tough to advance things right now. And selling through these tough times, though, I do think is going to help foster talent that thinks outside the box, that is not afraid to go above and beyond and do things that maybe they wouldn't ordinarily do. Um, But the same stuff that worked a year ago doesn't work today. Completely agree. That's actually a perfect segue. What I was thinking about as you were talking about this, because of the the changing of consumption in, in sales, people are, are not buying nearly as much as they were. It's also led the companies go, okay, we're not going to hire nearly as many sales reps if we, as we've had or as we planned on having. And so that I'm sure that leaves you with a different responsibility than maybe you were expecting a year ago or that you had a year ago, right? And so how how does that change your enablement focus, right? I'm sure not not that your only focus before was onboarding new reps, obviously right. not. But like that was a probably a, a big portion of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yep. Now that's probably not the case, right? Now it's like you're not you're not seeing new reps come in, really. It's mostly old reps out, nobody new's coming in. So how does that change your focus? Yeah, we haven't had a hiring class, I believe, since December. So mm-hmm. we we've definitely yep. uh, halted any new hiring. And what I think most companies have made the mistake of is not retaining their sales enablement or training teams. Mm-hmm. But that's when you should double down is retraining and training the talent that you have so that they are as precise and productive and efficient as they can possibly be. Um, I've been going through an exercise internally, uh, meeting with our high-performing group, building a success profile for them. Why are they successful? What are the attributes that make them successful? And I will tell you that literally every single person in this cohort still had area for opportunity because they weren't using a system in the best way that they could. And it's not like Stephanie's best way, but like literally, wait, you didn't know about this function. That would save you probably an hour every day. Wow. And that's our high-performing group. I can't imagine when I do this exercise with our mid-performers and low-performers. That's crazy. So I started to kind of talk about just like that retraining and skill development, but really one of the big exercises we did as an organization last year was to outline for every IC level, competency and skill banks or matrices. Okay. So what we did for the enablement team is we outlined those things out. We created scorecards and my sales coaches were sitting and observing and shadowing and identifying everyone on an individual basis. And then we created these gap analyses from an aggregate level to identify, are there trends? Did we miss something in onboarding where we really did ourselves a disservice with negotiation tactics or our CRM hygiene or whatever it may be, right? Like there's probably 15 different things that we were assessing for. But it's allowed for us to then create content, create training programs, and create it in ways that meet people where they are, because that's what you need to do. You can't always have live trainings. So whether it's a quick, I have these new things that I'm dropping in our Slack channels called Steph's Spicy Sales Tips. And so I have like little nuggets of things that I throw out, even just CRM functionality stuff or sales loft. Like, hey, guys, did you know that you could do a voicemail drop very easily? Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Saves you the minute video. seconds every time. Yeah. Yep. Totally. So... Yeah, that's that's what we're doing. We're we're not reinventing the wheel, but we're trying to do things so that people are reinforced, so that they understand that 
if they're doing their job well and they're trained well, that hopefully all those stars will align and, and things will happen for them, right? That's the hope. Let me ask you this. this is, I think this is the million dollar question um, because as a, again, as a lifelong sales rep, I have my good experiences and bad experiences. We'll, we'll keep it at that. Um, Your war stories, right? Right, yes. <laughs> How do you motivate sales mm. reps? I love this question because I'm in the thick of it right now. I want the enablement, right? Like how how do you, do you you have to make it fun? Do you have to make, like, what is it? I don't, I don't know what it is. I I would love to hear your take on it. First of all, I'm sure people just come because they want to like hang out with me because I'm of my effervescent personality. Right. And my (laughs) lame jokes, kidding. But honestly, my team, one of the things when I was hiring these people is they've got to bring the energy. Like you have to, that positive mindset, we have to be our own cheerleading squad, Enablement is out on the floor. We're rallying the troops. We're like, come on, guys. Mm-hmm. We have low enrollment on a skilled boot camp. We walk the floor and we're like, you busy right now? Nope, you're not. Come on. We're meeting for 30 minutes. I know you have 30 minutes to learn more about. You're selling. Blah, blah, blah. We are you're selling internally at the end of the day. And we are over communicating. We are selling and we are making it fun. And I'll get to that in just a moment. But I'm working on building out a gamified <laughs> training program. So our program is called Accelerate. Okay. We are in the logistics and transportation business. And so Accelerate, naturally, it's kind of, I love the plan. And uh, what I want to do is build out something where people want to engage. If you think about different jobs out there that require a certification or continuing education credits, you have to have so many hours of X, Y, Z to be able to fulfill your credits for the year. Yep. I am trying to build something like that internally where there will be a required component. And I know some of my sales enablement professionals out there are probably cringing at me saying that, but I'm going to make it to a point where I feel like you only have to engage in two required skill or competency trainings, uh, half yeah. of the year yeah. or a quarter, and then everything else is gravy. And it's going to be a carrot where you get points and can go redeem them in like our mall. Or if you want accelerate swag and you're walking around boasting that you've, you're the leaderboard, like there's a little bit of psychology around this, right? It's behavioral science. Nobody wakes up ripping and roaring, ready to like learn. Nobody is like, I can't wait to learn from Stephanie today. No. I mean, sometimes we are literally walking the floor asking, not asking, telling people you're coming. I don't care. It's three o'clock. There's nothing going on. Your your day is really kind of shoring up. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, I love that. I love it. it's you know it's funny. I, I was a ed- former educator. Uh, that's what I was trained formally in college to do. Taught high school. It's terrible. Hated it. <laughs> I'm sure those uh, high schoolers were really really kind and gracious individuals. Super. I was you know 23 year old kid myself trying to teach AP economics in college. It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. Uh, but what I learned is that. You you can't force training or in that case education onto somebody. Right. But what, what you can do is try to put it in a way that they want it. Right. It's like if I give it, if I present it to you in a couple different uh, ways, a couple of different formats, maybe one of those formats really resonates with you. And because it resonates with you, you lean in. Mm-hmm. And and I think for what you're kind of describing is look, we have a couple of different ways that we are providing this coaching or the option of coaching. And some people take to it and some people don't. And the ones that don't, we're going to grab them and we're going to make them come. And hopefully we present it in a way that they lean in a little bit and they learn something. I'm curious because from my experience, what I, what I see a lot is the top reps. Well, there's two types, I guess, but typically the top reps 
are kind of your lone wolves, like, right? Like, oh, totally. They're like, we're not, we are not, um, it's not different for us either, but I will say that they are now coming. I would say within the last month, Ooh. ever since I kind of had that I was gonna say why conversation. I don't know. I don't know if it's because mm. I had conversations with them about their goals, what motivates them, what I'm trying to build internally. But I was looking at some of our registrants over the last two or three and future. And those six people that were part of that high performing cohort are now coming to our, our training. Really? And so I don't know what wow. magic. That's magic. You need, to bottle, you need to bottle that up because that is magic. But literally our team was basically doing toe touches and bath flips because they're like, so-and-so signed up. He's been the one that hasn't wanted to come. And now he's coming to this email effectiveness one because we, I don't know, we did this thing where we said there was limited spots. And so we were like selling the psychology of there's limited spots. We're going to be dissecting your emails and seeing what works and what doesn't. This is going to be a collaborative workshop. And so it filled up within 15 minutes. And then we were like, now we're going to open up another spot. We're opening up four more spots. Is there anyone else? Scarcely. And then we're like, oh, we're going to open up another. We had such a great demand. We're going to hold this again. I mean, it's really for, for selling it, right? Yeah, like, it's just scarcity marketing is all aspect. it is. Yeah, yeah that's, that's So awesome. I don't know. We're going to keep trying this. Hopefully yeah. none of them listen to this podcast. Did you? <laughs> we'll like block that IP so they can't see Right, it. like you guys can't listen. Yeah, um, that's crazy. Did, did you ever at any point get rep? participation from them like in any like did they ever take ownership of something because that might have been a contributing factor because I know when somebody owns something mm -hmm. they like to be you know more involved was, yeah was I, I think I mentioned that with having some of these high performers facilitate with us and own a component of the training yeah. they definitely are much more intrigued in terms of like, what are we doing? How do we become part of this? Some of them have even said, I want to be on this team. I'm like, yes, in the future, but I still need you to sell right now. So, wow, that's I mean, cool. there, there's definitely um, a vested interest across the organization now that I don't think existed until probably the last four months. And really? I don't know if it's because we're doubling down and trying to do things differently. You have to, yeah. And look, I think we had to get really scrappy and creative and create the FOMO and create the pain and create the incentives and all of the things, but I'm not going to complain. It's working. And yeah. so if people are learning totally. a thing or two, they can take it away and apply it to their day-to-day -day roles and are more successful, then that makes us successful. That makes the company successful and that makes me excited. So yeah. Yeah. God, I have so many, I have a bazillion questions I want to ask you. Um, I'm looking at the time. We got about 15 minutes. So I want to okay. be very strategic about what I ask. Um, Okay, let's talk about your team, yes. your enablement slash training team. Give me a little bit of lay of the land, how the responsibilities are kind of divvied up. Um, because I think our, you know, our listeners are going to have big teams. Some are going to have yep. really small teams. Some are going to be teams of one. Some are going to be teams of 10. Right. So I want to understand like, how do you, with your team, how do you break up responsibilities? What are you guys focused on? So give me a little bit of the, the context there. I will tell you, it is been evolving over the last call it six months and the vision that I had presented to our CEO when I joined I adopted two sales trainers they were both just okay. onboarding that was it wow when I joined I was tasked with building out the strategic vision for the organization which included um you know the different roles all of the things functions what were we doing beyond onboarding I mean that in itself was a conversation it's a big one um, so today we are a smaller team. I 
used to have sales coaches on my team. I don't any longer. And so now we are all really, we are the three musketeers now. It's me and two others. And we are in the trenches together. And so I am even stepping into more of a player sales coach type role where um, I'm going to be hitting the floor a little bit more and facilitating. I don't think the niche functions, we can really get by with doing that. Um, We are onboarding people, not in the capacity that we were at one point. I mean, when I first joined, we were having like 40, 50 person classrooms, classrooms, like, yeah. Um, And we need, and they were monthly. It was insane. And so we felt like we could not even keep up with the cadence of onboarding and hiring for us to even think about ever boarding and ongoing training. And so we were just on kind of like this hamster wheel a little bit. Um, Today, now that we aren't doing these huge capacity headcount hires, we're strategically hiring enterprise level reps that are solution sellers that have X amount of years we're still doing some, inf- we're still working with them and influencing them and showing them how the tools are working, the pitches and the products, and all of that. Yeah. But it's not a giant, you know, resource for us. Um, yeah. Sales coaching, we've now asked the, the reps and the managers, look, we're willing to engage, but our sales coaches were literally doing daily, weekly check-ins with people. And so we just don't have the bandwidth yeah. to do that yeah. any longer but we're still willing to engage, right? If needed. I would say these skill boot camps and those bigger training programs were still involved with product rollouts. And so that's a big component of what we're dealing with today and what we're okay. responsible for. Um, and that might change in six months. You know, There might be such a big influx and in volume of work, which there is, but you know, we're willing to roll up our sleeves, grind and do whatever necessary to make the business successful. And so at the end of the day, my team, and we've had very frank conversations about it. Everyone's willing to do whatever necessary to get it done, whether it's building the content, getting on the floor, mm. being silly and hitting the gong and telling people to come, come to the training room. Um, we'll do it. Are most of your reps remote or in person? Great question. We do have our um, headquarters in Chicago and we do have quite a large in-person representation. So we've got a lot of people in person, but we also have a lot of our enterprise reps and other reps strategically located around the, the, I was going to say not even the country, but the globe, we are a global organization. So yeah, we're meeting people in all different time zones. I was going to say, I bet it's, I bet that is a challenge in and of itself too. Um, It is, but I think one of the things I identified very quickly was the need for a system that could provide on-demand learning because everything was delivered live in person. And there were times that I remember seeing individuals on these calls for eight hours and I'm like, so-and-so, what time is it there? And they're like, 2 a.m. Yeah. Are you are you asleep? Are you yeah, there's no way you're focused right now. No yeah. Way. And so all I could think of, not just like me being in the onboarding, but like also thinking of, wow, what a terrible experience for that individual. Are they going to retain this information? Is mm-hmm. there anywhere for them to go and find this if they need to, because they dozed off? I mean, truthfully. So an LMS was yeah, one of my cool. first priorities and first things that I did within, I think the first 60, 45, 60 yeah. days of employment. It makes a ton of sense, especially if you were having, you know, 40, 50 person classes, you had to have a, a really system systematized way to get those people through onboarding. Absolutely. Quickly. Um, you mentioned something interesting about 
building content for reps and then, you know, doing coaching as well. And all, you know, there's, there's a bunch of hats you guys are wearing. I'm imagining you, do you report to CRO? I report into our um, senior VP of RevOps and customer success okay. who rolls into our um, chief customer okay. officer. So you're really tight. This is where I was going to go. So you're really tight with RevOps. Yep. What about, what about marketing? What about product marketing? So marketing actually just got moved under our CCO as well. So marketing now rolls in under the sales org, which is interesting. So as part of like Ah. just the last six months, there's been reorg in terms of, I, I was reporting to someone different and I got moved around and marketing has now come in and product marketing is now part of that sales and marketing alignment. And so I do see much more opportunity for us to have very close collaboration. Not that there wasn't before, but I would say an even stronger relationship now that that is existing. Yeah. I was, I was literally just, I was a guest on a podcast yesterday. I think it was yesterday um, where the, the topic was sales and marketing alignment, like specifically go to market. Mm-hmm. How, how do those function? Obviously product is a part of that as well. And, and what I said was, I don't see it a lot. Actually, I don't see it done well a lot. It's not that they don't try, but I just don't see it done well. I see, you know, marketing, product marketing, kind of creating content and enablement, doing the kind of their own priorities, you know, focused on onboarding and then kind of the training and coaching. And there isn't a ton of um, communication as much as maybe there should be. But that, I kind of like it. I know it's weird and different, but I kind of like it because when I think about your consumer, your your customer is the reps, right? Right. We We would all agree with that. Product marketing's customer is technically the reps as well, right? Because they're building the messaging that they're going to share. Right. So in my mind, it's okay, let's, let's make those two, not that they need to be the same job, but let's, let's make them very lockstep. Mm -hmm. But then I see, I see why RevOps is so integral into the enablement because they're providing you with the systems and the data and, you know, kind of the, the analysis of what's going on. So I'm curious for you. Where do you spend the majority of your time outside of your own team? Where are you spending a lot of your time collaborating? Is it is it a lot with marketing and product marketing? Is it a lot with RevOps? Like, give me a little bit of that because I think that's that's yeah. the direction that this has to go, I think. It's a great question. I would say I spend a lot of time with product. Okay. Not so much with product marketing yet. We do, but I would say okay. product is like one of our biggest relationships. RevOps, obviously. Yeah. Marketing, I think again, we'll come into the fold a little bit more now, just given the the structure of everything, but the stakeholders, I think that's a job in itself, right? Meeting with all the different teams, making sure that there's not siloed communication. Um, We have a new chief of product as well. And so I see a lot of new influence coming into that whole go-to-market strategy. Um, Not that I love sharing this example, but there was a, a new product that we launched last July Okay. And sales enablement was tapped on the shoulder four weeks before it was going to market. Crazy. And they were like, we heard that you do training wow. for sales. We should probably talk. I'm like, you think? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, we, again, banded together as a team. We worked very, very, uh, we were we were working real tough to try and make sure that everything was aligned in terms of good assets, good training. Do I think that it was the best launch? Actually, no, I don't. You know, we did a retrospective act afterwards. And truth be told, product marketers should not be facilitating. And I think that everyone on my team did not feel as comfortable to actually facilitate a demo or the value. It was was an interesting launch. 
Yeah. But we had opportunity many months later to kind of do a relaunch in a much more concise way where we were in control, but everyone was kind of giving us the pieces that we needed to be successful. But I think at that point, they knew what sales enablement was. They yeah. knew kind of what we were responsible for doing in terms of influencing and selling the reps on how to sell the things. And that it's more than just getting in front of a room and showing feature function yeah. and showing a slide with a box that shows who else is selling something kind of like this. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. Well, I got one more question for you. We're at sure. time. So I want to, I, I want to wrap it up with this one. This has been so good. So good. Um, some people find enablement to mean different things, mm -hmm. right? You talk to somebody about enablement and they'll tell you it's, you know, we're really focused on onboarding. You talk to someone else in enablement, they're saying we're really focused on training and coaching. Someone else may say something totally different. The KPIs are a little sporadic as well. So in your eyes, if you were to give advice to a new person in enablement, say they're just transitioning into enablement and they're about to start their first role in enablement at a company, mm -hmm. where would you tell them to prioritize their time and focus in those first 60 days? Ooh, where would, where would you tell them to start? It's a fantastic question. So a book that I read years ago when I first got into management was called The First 90 Days. Okay. And it was all about how to approach your first 90 days in an organization and where you should spend your time. When I joined the organization, I wanted to immerse myself into the business as much as I possibly could. So I, of course, had my meet and greets with stakeholders. Sure. Yeah. Hi, I'm Stephanie. Nice to meet you. And it was met with, quite literally, what the beep is sales enablement. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you asked. I can't wait to tell you and what I plan on bringing to this organization. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was selling in those meetings. Yeah. And also meeting with reps all the different types from SDRs, the AEs, if there's different teams that sell different AMs, products, CSNs, all of them, CSNs, yeah. all of them, and really understanding your customer journey. Mm -hmm. Why are people buying from you? What are we solving for? Why do they care? Why are we different? So I would even say like meet with the CSMs first and understand who are the customers, right? And then go back and meet with the reps and understand from Point A, entry point A into the org all the way through, is this working as best as it can? Are we selling in the right way? Are we saying the right things? What we're selling up front, is that how it's landing in implementation? Gosh, I've been at companies where that's Probably not, not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that would be my advice. I would say the meet and greets with the stakeholders to introduce yourself, obviously make it known what the heck sales enablement is, what you plan yeah. to build good start. and yeah. create your charter, you know, create that vision and strategy of what you plan to influence. What are the goals that C-suite is looking for? Well, you should build your charter off of what those goals are. So that would be my advice. So good. So helpful. I think, I really do think, I think there's a lot of people stepping into those new enablement roles that need that advice. That's really, really good. Well, Stephanie, thanks again. We went just Thank a few you. minutes over. I appreciate no, it. So totally fine. This is awesome. Um, I've been talking to our team. I think we're going to host an event in Chicago at some point this year. So, well, I'm I want to be there. Yes, deal, deal. You got it. Well, thanks again. And um, we'll talk soon. I'm excited for everyone to check it out. Great. Thank you so much, Will. Bye, Stephanie. Bye.